Woman Raw. Beautiful Hollywood. Woman Raw. Welcome, I am Melanie Camp. This is a beautiful Hollywood special, Woman Raw, sharing stories of women in business and how they get it done. This is about inspiring you to be bold, see your potential and get doing. Today, we are at the Health Aid Kombucha Kingdom. I am going to call it the kingdom in Torrance, California, to speak with Chief Sales Officer and Health Aid Kombucha co-founder, Vanessa Du. Vanessa grew up in Los Angeles and after earning a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry from UC San Diego, she followed a relatively conventional career path and worked for years at a major pharmaceutical company before quitting everything and we're going to talk about the quitting your day job bit because that was not such an easy decision for Vanessa but she did it and she went off to help start Health Aid Kombucha with two of her friends husband and wife Dinah and Justin Trout. We are going to talk brainstorming business ideas with friends and what it takes to take a leap and how to be brave and go get what you want when you want more. Vanessa, do welcome to beautiful Hollywood. Hey, Melanie. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Like our little, our window for the interview just kept shrinking as your day got busier and busier. We have plenty of time to chat, which is great. But literally I pulled up at Kombucha headquarters here, Kombucha HQ. And um, this is amazing. There's kombucha on tap. Yeah. Like, this is, this all started in the kitchen and at the Brentwood farmer's markets. And now you're, you're bottling hundreds of thousands of bottles of kombucha. I mean, what, how does it feel? Wow. When you describe <laughs> it like that, my brain is going to explode with kombucha cheers. Um, <laughs> it's amazing and humbling actually, uh, to think that me, my best friend and her husband, we started in the farmer's market in Brentwood seven and a half years ago now. And it's crazy to think that we went from our kitchen and our brewing in our closet to brewing hundreds and thousands of glass jars, all for the world to consume and we're so excited and so proud to bring the best tasting highest quality kombucha to the market oh it's so exciting and no more so you don't have to get your um kombucha brewing bottles from bed bath and beyond anymore you don't have to go and like steal coupons. not anymore I you yeah. steal the coupons from neighbors letterboxes so you oh, can keep yeah. up with farmer's market demand yeah i mean so we still brew in those two and a half gallon glass jars and when we started we used to hoard all these coupons whether it be from my mom dinah's mom or you know see a random 20 percent off coupon on the ground and just happen to steal it away so we can hoard all those jars now we've gotten a little smarter and we buy direct the business is growing up <laughs> exactly. Basically. This is amazing to see your headquarters here. But there was a lot to do to get to where you are today. Not least of it was quitting your day job. That I think is really interesting because a lot of people, they start a side hustle and it goes pretty well. And sometimes it just continues to go well and they can do both. But health aid started to take off, but it wasn't a no brainer to just quit everything and chase the kombucha train. And also your parents were like, no, don't quit your day job. And it's not like they weren't qualified because your mom is a business executive and she was a, she was a businesswoman. She knew what she was talking about. And yeah. she said, no, what was it that made you go, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit a great job. I'm going to dedicate my life to my side hustle. Sorry, mom. Thanks for your wisdom and advice, but I'm not taking it. What made you do that? Oh my goodness. So when we first started in 2012, it was truly a side hustle working the farmer's markets. Into 2013, we started to garner so much activity and we were selling to 200 
200 stores around LA, you could feel the buzz that was around our brand with HealthAid. And we knew that if we didn't give it the right attention, it couldn't really flourish. So we knew we had to cut the cord. But as you said, it was so tough to make that decision. I think I went countless days talking to my friends. Is this the right decision? Should I do this? Do I have enough money? I don't know. Um, even my mom, she you mentioned her just saying, you know, why are you doing this? Um, she actually created a spreadsheet around all my lost salary that I was going to forego, all my future salary, all my benefits. Oh my gosh. I had a company car at the time. She's like, how are you going to buy a car? So she's giving me all these what ifs around have I figured this out yet? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I know she just wanted me to be taken care of and take the conservative safe route. I just told her, I was like, mom, I'm young. I know I'm a competent human. If this doesn't work out, I know I will find something else, whatever it may be. But the time is now to try and figure it out. And I have this feeling that I want to pursue it. So let me give me, let me do this and believe in me because I trust in myself. And she's like, all right. We're not going to be here to catch you when you fall. I was like, I hope not because we're going to be rising to the top. But nonetheless, I did receive a lot of backlash for that decision. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, my friends and family just wanted me to be safe, secure. And I remember walking in the day I quit my job to my manager's office. My palms were sweaty. There was a pit in my stomach saying, am I really doing this? And I remember I put the resignation in front of him. Then I walked out the door. I was like, all right, now it's time to make this a go. And really, since then, it's been a fire under the butt to make HealthAid go. Wow. Do you think you needed that fight? I mean, you needed the time to dedicate to HealthAid, of course. But did it kind of give you an adrenaline boost that really drove you a little bit faster and harder? A hundred percent. It was always the hustle that we knew was alive within each of us. And that extra uh, kick in the pants to say, there's not another path here right now. This is your full time life. It was the adrenaline rush that we really needed to take it to the next level, step by step. And it was exciting and thrilling in every moment we were building. And it was a beautiful time. It was just built on this innocence that we were building a business from scratch. Does it make it easier because you're really close friends and you can forgive yourselves for the things you might say or do or be there when someone's in a heap crying yeah. <laughs> in the back room. I mean, I definitely think our co-founding trio, we have been each other's rock when we needed it and each other has really fallen down and there's been many a dark moment um, for each of us individually. But I think that's what made us stronger as well. And of course, there's the, you know, argument or misalignment or disagreement on how we should move forward. But at the end of the day, this was built on the idea that we believed in ourselves, we believed in each other to build something great. And we always had the idea of you know, what comes first. You know, They're married, we're best friends. And so we always wanted to put the idea that that comes first and the business will thrive because of that. I like that, the overriding energy that's going to carry yeah. the business. And it was really, Healthy was built on the pure dream around following your gut to something bigger than yourself. And that's what we all 
individually believed in and we believed in it, in it for each other too. Yeah. And so I think that's where we're able to garner support as a co-founding trio. Yeah. And we still do that today. We're still leading the business as co-founders and it's really exciting to see how it's been able to evolve. And what a journey. I mean, you guys start. you guys knew... It wasn't specifically just the three of you, but did you have a group of friends and you had a business idea like club that you would sit down and like brainstorm what's a good idea for a business? Was it a group of people? Well, we initially started with the idea that it would be a club, an entrepreneur club, where we have many different people joining us to kind of mastermind what the next big opportunity is. So we did open it up to our family, our friends, anyone who is intellectually curious. Mm. But at the end of the day, it was really just me, Dinah, and Justin around a dinner table, sharing a great bottle of wine and dinner and brainstorming different opportunities ourselves. So we knew who the co-founders were, right? (laughs) Because it was only us. Um, But it was with that intention in mind that we're creating kind of this mastermind of sorts around what's a great opportunity in the community, in the marketplace and how do we create a solution for that? And how did you come up with the idea that you wanted, that the three of you wanted to create a business together and wanted to be entrepreneurs? Like where did that, was it just like we're friends and we're chatting and wouldn't it be good? I feel like a lot of friends go, oh, that'd be a great idea and then you don't ever actually do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's really kind of where the follow your gut kind of comes into play. And at the heart of it, we're, you know, mid-20s, we were working our corporate jobs, but we knew there was something bigger out there for us. And we wanted to, one, create something that was meaningful and leave our mark in the community and on this world. And we also wanted to be our own bosses and understand how to build something from scratch. And we weren't getting that in our normal nine to five corporate jobs. Yeah. So that's why we really created this entrepreneur club is to help fulfill this idea that we could build something, take an idea and make and take it out of conception and really make it real. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did with our entrepreneur club. And it was because we're following our gut to this feeling around being something greater than what we were doing at that time. Right. It seems like there was a lot of following following your gut. I love it because, I mean, that's the that's the health aid slogan, follow your gut. But you did that against your parents, you know, against all everybody else that was saying, don't do it, don't do it. What makes it easy for you or how do you, because it's not always easy to follow your gut when there's a lot of noise around you. Like what do you... How do you find is the easiest way for you to know that it's the right decision when you're in and you are listening to your gut and you're not hearing fear or doubt? Yeah, well, anyone who says they don't listen to fear and doubt is lying because it creeps up, right? But it's really, I think it's three things. One, having a great team and a sounding board. And for us, it's really been our co-founding team and now our broader health aid family where we know that we're doing right by the product and right by the business. And that's always been our guiding true north. And then two is having a self-awareness around what you feel is right and what you definitely know is not right. And I think it takes a minute and maybe experience to understand that. But everyone has that kind of feeling in in your gut when you're thinking, oh, something is not sitting right. I Mm -hmm. don't know why. I don't know what it is. But I know it just doesn't feel right. It's important to listen to that and feel it and not just kind of push it away because chances are you're feeling something and it's pushing you in the right direction. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that you said there's the experience. Like it's an interesting thing getting used to like, okay, yeah, that is my gut. And I do understand that now because I feel like in my life I've maybe hesitated on things and then in hindsight I look back and go oh yeah that was my gut warning me so yeah I like it that it's experience yeah and I think the other thing is you know there's a lot of doubt that can creep in that can cause kind of this paralysis moment and I think it's all about putting one foot in front of the other and marching forward and I think you said it earlier a lot of friends get together and don't really do anything with their you know brainstorming and for us it was really about pushing forward amidst some of the issues, the myriad of problems and knowing that you're doing right by the brand, the product, the business. And that's really what it's about is just moving forward. Would you say baby steps? Yeah. Okay. We don't know how to deal with this problem right now, but we just need to go and get some labels made. So let's just inch by inch. 100%. Baby step, what you can control, next best step. Have you learned to be calmer because of all the stuff that you dealt with at the beginning when it was a smaller business? And do you find that you have bigger problems now, but you deal with them better because you've learned to do that one thing at a time, inch by inch. Don't get ahead of yourself. I definitely think I, and I can say this about Dinah and Justin, I think we have a high tolerance, whether it be for pain or for flexibility (laughs) or um, just managing a lot of stress and a lot of balls in the air. Right. I think you have to do that as a startup entrepreneur, period. Um, So I do think the initial, like in the beginning, I think I said my job is a firefighter because everything that you're doing is putting out fires. And as our business has grown, I feel like we've had to really step up from that, you know, technician kind of day-to-day task-related work to really understanding some of the bigger growth initiatives as a company becomes bigger, whether it be in operations or marketing or sales, we've all had to evolve in the roles and the problems just become bigger. They don't go away. Right. And so I think from managing that, I think I tell myself at the end of the day, it's just kombucha and it's okay. It's going to be okay. And then I go back to the idea of follow your gut if there's big problems and it's one foot in front of the other, what are all the inputs? What's the next best step here and what's right for the business? Yeah. And holding those pieces in mind really helps you tease through all of the noise so that you can make the best decision and move forward for the business. And when you say what's best for the business, how do you decide what is best for what's right for the business? Because you've said that a few times. Well, I think it comes in a couple different ways. There's one, you know, what's great and building of the brand. I think we've built a really strong brand thus far. How do we start to build that even further so that when people think of kombucha, they think of health aid as a brand. And then when you think about product quality, what are the decisions that lead up to the ultimate finished product? I think what's best is, is that product delivering 100% of the time to our consumers and what they know and love about health aid. And then it's ultimately, you know, what's best for the broader culture and the team here, keeping finances in mind. It's, are we driving our business in a healthy, sustainable way that creates a team of leaders that empowers people to do the best within their roles? Is it with the finances in mind to make sure that we're on a sustainable path? And with that, I think you can't go wrong, although a lot 
comes in your way. Yeah. And you tackle it as it comes. That's the thing, isn't it? I think we want everything to be smooth sailing. But the reality is, is the day to day, there is always, always all sorts of things going on that get in your way of just going on that straight line to where you want to go. Exactly. There's like a zigzag path to everything. I suppose it's becoming comfortable with that idea as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm. I think once you start out in this startup entrepreneur life, you have to become accustomed to discomfort at any given time, hence the high threshold for pain or (laughs) flexibility or just knowing that you're stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I don't know in the last seven and a half years when I've ever just coasted, there's never been that moment of just chill coasting mode. Oh, wow. And I, to be honest, I think that kind of has got us to this point and able to grow so fast. Because it has been fast growth, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you think about it. (laughs) A lot of companies take a really like 10 years. You know, people think it's overnight, but almost, you guys almost are overnight success. Almost. Oh, thank you for (laughs) saying that. I mean, I can say that we're about $100 million in retail sales to date. Wow. And we've really been in distribution since 2014. Mm -hmm. So everything has been pushing and driving and again making sure we do right by the brand but I attribute it to the team now I mean the team that we've built here is second to none out there and they've really been able to manifest the brand in ways that I couldn't even imagine Um, out in market uh, the operations team has to make all the product in order to satisfy all that demand that's being created so it really is a whole team that's making it happen out there to get to where we are and how we've grown so fast uh, how were you able to build such a good team so fast because it's not that easy to find people aligned with your you know where you're taking something and then also people who have the same work ethic and or even believe in the brand. So how did you find such a good team? I think when we first started, we knew ourselves and what we wanted, how we wanted to build our company. And early on, we realized that we wanted to build a strong culture where people felt empowered, where they felt like they could really flourish, not just in their in their career path, but also in what they can do for themselves and personal development. And so we kind of coalesced all of that feeling, kind of who we are as people, what we wanted the company to be into values. And those values spell out um, an acronym. It it spells out GOAL, G-O-A-L. And it stands for grit, optimism, authenticity, and leadership. And I like those ones. Those are good ones. Yeah, (laughs) and it really does describe kind of who we are as founders, also how we got our start as a company, and also really defines kind of the people who come into our organization, how they thrive, who, what type of personalities really does well here. Um, we also need the capabilities piece 100%, but it's really that intangible kind of characteristic in, you know, are you gritty out in the market? Are you, are you a hustler? Are you, can you find a solution? Not so much are you optimistic and rosy colored glasses, but can you find a solution amidst problems? Uh, And just being authentic, being real with yourself, being real with the team to have an intellectually honest conversation around how to drive the business forward. Um, And then leaders, I'm truly a believer that everyone, no matter a baller on our line to the top executives and co-founders are leaders in their seat. And just a matter of how that is nourished and, and bred as they develop here. So I think our team really uh, rallies around those values. And also I think the team believes in what we're doing in terms of 
brewing the best tasting, highest quality kombucha, advancing this idea of real food, and who we're supporting out there, which is the Driven Dreamer. Yeah. So with all those ideas and values, and your team's really embedded in the higher purpose that Health Aid is going for. I mean, the history of Health Aid is basically because Justin had bad stomach and Dinah was making him kombucha. I know for me personally, I found kombucha has been amazing. I was drinking it every day for a couple of months and it completely cleared yeast infections that I was getting constantly. Sorry, my Tuma. But hey, it happens. It's a reality. <laughs> um, and since then, I don't drink it every day now. I think it's, I just, I like it. So I'll drink it probably a few times a week and I feel like it reset my whole system. Anyway, there's my like, I love kombucha. I'm getting so excited. But I wonder if because the company is putting something into the marketplace that actually can help people and benefit people, I wonder if that, do you sometimes think that that energy also carries that the whole culture of the company and makes people think they're part of something that is good? Yeah. And I would just go back to our company tagline, follow your gut. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a double entendre in that, you know, it does, kombucha health aid really does help gut health. Yeah. And on the flip side, I think a lot of people want to come to Health Aid and are following their gut to you know, a company that they want to work for that believes in something. Um, and then also when people are following their dreams or following their gut to something higher and a bigger ideal. And that's really what we're trying to stand for as a champion of those people. Yeah. It's an exciting energy to be part of. Yeah, 100%. Huh? I was, you know, here's a, this is an interesting one because I think a lot of people feel, you know, a company like Coca-Cola and there's a, uh, you know, it's not just Coca-Cola, it's all big business. There's this attitude of like big business is bad and, and you guys grew up as, you know, a side hustle, a farmer's market, you know, business and you were sourcing all your vegetables from like a store that was next to you at the farmer's market. So it was all very farm to table and local and, you know, support a small business. But there comes a point with any business that to go that next level, they do have to take on partners or they have to get investment. And what, how did you feel? Did you come up against people who were like, oh, you're selling out when you first started to work with Coca-Cola? Did you come up against those attitudes and how did you deal with it? And then how did you reconcile it? In the very beginning when we started, we knew that we wanted to make Health Aid a brand beyond kombucha, better for you beverage. And what better a platform than to work with the world's foremost leader in beverage in order to help advance that idea? Uh, but to your point, yeah, there has been some backlash and some criticism around that. And I really think at the end of the day, it comes down to messaging what we know to be true about health aid. What we know that we are always putting forward is you know, really being a leader in digestive health, following our gut, you know, what we are here to do, brew the best tasting, highest quality kombucha. And actually, that's what Coke loves about us is yeah. that we are doing that. And they're investing in us as a people as a product. And that's really why we are working together so we can help push that forward together. This is a discussion that has to happen because if we do, I think if the world wants to move in a better direction, we have to be more open to allowing big companies to evolve, like allowing someone like Coca-Cola to evolve and support things that are going to be more, I guess, future forward food, pro you know, projects and, and products basically. Yeah. And, you know, I, if you try kombucha, it's a naturally bubbly probiotic tea. So it really does help add 
as a replacement to some of those high sugary drinks, as you mentioned. And I think anyone would be amiss if we didn't recognize the opportunity to help bring this to market and scale it even bigger than what it could be. Yeah. So it really gives us legs to do that. In Australia, there's a saying called the tall poppy syndrome. And it's the idea if someone's doing really well, you kind of want to chop them down. You know, the poppy that grows taller, you chop it, oh, chop it down to size. Yeah. With a small business, you know, like Health Aid, the way that it was, a cottage industry. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, you become the tall poppy. Did you find that there was a little bit of that that you had to deal with moving out of the farmer's market world or were people just like, good on you, I'm so supportive and I hope I can do that one day? Yeah, more often than not, I've heard very few instances where we had some naysayers who wanted to cut out our knees from under us, right? Yeah. Um, More often than not, I think we've had a lot of support, not just from our friends and family, but from consumers who really understand how we do it day one from the farmer's market and still doing it that same way today. Yeah. And we have a core consumer that are loyalists and we're so proud to have them as our just proud anchors. I wondered that if there were people that were like, I bought it on the very first day and I'm still drinking it today. Do you oh have yeah, those? we 100% have those oh people. I, I remember distinctly also our first customer. His name was Richard. He bought two bottles of original and I hope he's still a customer today, but I remember him distinctly. And I will say that a ton of customers from the farmer's market now you know, either message us and they say, hey, we used to buy you guys. We love that you still have your ginger lemon flavor tasting better than ever. Um, so we always want to do right by them. Yeah. Plus, we've met two people out in the world that actually tattooed the Health Aid anchor and our characters onto their bodies. Oh my so goodness. So if that doesn't say you know a stamp of approval... I don't know what does. <laughs> then actually, like, oh, like that is a stamp for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that must feel so. Yeah, that must feel so cool. It's crazy to think about. It's really cool and mind-boggling. I'm just, I, I um, in awe that they did that, and yeah. so proud to say that they're on the healthy train. That's yeah, that's really really cool. Is there anything you miss from those days of the farmers markets waking up at 3 a.m. to like carry cases of kombucha? Yeah, you know, I I don't I can say I don't miss waking up at 3 a.m. and carrying like coolers full of everything driving the truck into the market, but what I do miss is kind of the hand-to-hand interaction with some of our consumers. That literally was the best learning ground around how to uh understand what consumers wanted, their feedback on flavors. And Ah. it was that direct connection with some of our regulars that was just so cool to have. Now we're on a bigger level. I can't talk to every consumer. Um, And I can say what still gets me going today is when I hear out in the world and they don't know who I am nor how I'm affiliated with HealthAid, they say that HealthAid is the best, it makes them feel good, why it makes them feel good. So I can still say that that is one of the reasons why I get up in the morning. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it must be so beautiful to be part of something that's, you know, doing so good in the world. I mean, is that, I mean, I feel like that is the future for business, these companies that you know, it can be profitable, be really successful, but actually the products they're putting out there is just, is benefiting people. 
and making the world a better place. Yeah, I think it's a stance, you know, all modern businesses really need to understand and take a position on. And for me, I actually think Healthy can do so much more. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to for our team to tackle that, actually. Yeah, what sort of things? I mean, you guys started from a very non-traditional business background. Uh, how has being non-traditional entrepreneurs benefited, do you, do you think? And is that something you're taking in the future to like make future difference? Yeah. I mean, I always talk about, you know, we can't lose our sparkle. And I think our individual sparkle, at least in the CPG world, is that we aren't classically trained in CPG. What we do have is kind of the the passion for what we do want to create, which is a lifestyle brand for Better For You Beverage. We want to put out a product that is second to none out in the market. And it's kind of that energy that we bring and the understanding that we're going to do things a little different and shake things up that has brought this new energy to, I think, the kombucha space, the beverage space. And we're using that to our benefit. And I don't want to lose that sparkle. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Keep the sparkle. Uh, When did you get your MBA? Did you get it after you started HealthAid? Was it something that you felt you needed to have as an entrepreneur with your own business? Or was it something that you felt pressured to get? So I started my MBA at USC as I was working my corporate job in the pharmaceutical industry. And honestly, it was an excuse for me to buy time going through my quarter life crisis uh, in understanding where I wanted to go with my life because the job I was in wasn't going to be it. And so for me, it was a little bit of an excuse to buy some time. I'm a learner and academic at heart. So I love learning anything I can. So I love the idea of going back to school while I was working. And health aid came actually smack dab in the middle of it. Ah. And so we worked with the concept and officially launched in 2012. And I was in my second year at that time. So just on the cusp of graduation and that kind of ties into how and why I quit my job is I knew at the end of business school, whether it be health aid or for some other venture I wanted to be a part of, I was going to quit my job to help fuel and fulfill this passion I had and this inner curiosity. And I didn't know exactly what. And health aid and the opportunity to help just blow it up and really push it forward um, came to the forefront where it accelerated me quitting my job to the middle of the school year. And so... There was, there was a time when I was working full-time, going to school, doing health aid, farmer's markets, the whole nine. Oh, my god! So it was definitely a juggle. How did you have all the energy for all of that? Kombucha. I, I, <laughs> kombucha and a dream and being 24. I don't know. <laughs> How much do you think your mom influenced you growing up having a mother who was a business executive? What did your mother do? She was an engineer by trade, oh, wow. but she actually worked in like planning for a petroleum company after all said and done. Yeah. Um, she influenced me a ton. So being a an immigrant, being one of the few Asian females within a grad school engineering program, and then even one of the few fe- female Asian executives at her company. Um, it really helped shape a role model that I knew I wanted to be for my children and for other female Asian entrepreneurs. And so 
the fact that my mom could balance, and at the time I didn't know she had a very high-powered executive-level role. I just knew she worked all the time, but yet she was always at every single sporting event, at the PTO meeting. So she was a very involved mom. And I always thought she was superwoman and could handle it all. And this was amidst being sick since I can remember. So she always had an immune disease, but it never let it define her. And so I really looked to her strength a lot to help inspire me over the years, particularly. Um, And she's been a huge role model for me. And I know a lot of my friends too. Oh, wow. How does she say she kept going? Was the immune disease, was that, did that make her tired or was that, what were her, yeah. What did she ever tell you? Like how she kept, what drive, what kept driving her? Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely made her tired and her blood levels would drop. But I think at the heart of it, she's a lover of life and she just loved experiences. And she wasn't going to let her sickness really bring her down to not experience it. For example, against doctor's orders, she went skiing in both Utah and Switzerland Um, even though her doctor said, you know, if you fall, you could bleed a lot and it's bad for you and that there's a risk, but she didn't want to miss out on my sister's, you know, graduation skiing trip. And so she went. And so it's, it's those things where I love that kind of rebellious side that my mom had and not letting circumstances really define you or hold you down. Yeah. That's amazing. It's interesting that she taught, she wasn't supportive of health aid at first but I guess that's a testament to mother's love mother's love is stronger than mother's like entrepreneurial like drive yeah I mean she was trying to be the more practical one in that decision but at the heart of it I knew she was still supportive I mean she came to the farmer's markets when I worked to help me clean up she you know sewed all of our tablecloths for the farmer's market and the demo table so she was a very active part without being an active member of it I would say yeah do you pass on, I mean, you do a lot of mentoring work. Where's your, where's your, hang on, wait, where's your list of all the places? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, a, where, wait, wait, where is my list? Oh yeah, USC Marshall Mentor and you're with the Female Founder Collective, the Asian Business Association. And there's, there's, so, there's you're in a lot of groups as a mentor. Do you use stuff that you learned from your mom? Do you pass that on to people or business or what other sort of things you pass on to your mentees? Um, I think it's a little bit of, just me, kind of the energy that I have, some of the experiences within CPG that I have, just kind of the been there, done that around maybe investment or startup or what not to do. Yeah. Um, at the heart of it, it's also just being a sounding board to some of what these people are going through and sharing my story in hopes that it will help inform their story a little bit. And it's less about kind of telling them around what to do more about just sharing experience sharing oh yeah and having yeah. them glean something from that so that they can take something forward what do you think is your most powerful story that people have been able to take something from in your time of being a mentor huh well there's two I think it's one I get a lot of questions on when did you decide to quit your job like what revenue standpoint how much did you have in the bank? And I just go back to the story that I told with my mom. And ultimately, you're going to create your own future. You have to bet on yourself. So it's more about reinforcing their inkling and their 
kind of true north on what they're feeling. Because you need, like, I didn't, I had a, I had Dinah and Justin to help me, you know, give me that extra push. But sometimes these people don't have that sounding board. So I think that's one thing to share. And then the second thing is just being a sounding board again for some of those weird growth ups and downs, whether it be with investors, whether it be with your team, whether it be with customers. I think there's something to be said around hearing someone and what they're going through and then being able to say, well, here's what I went through and take what you will. Right. What what has been one of your toughest moments, do you think? I mean, I guess there's probably been a few over the years. Yeah. Well, there's so many to count. (laughs) So I will say when we first started, um, I was still working my nine to five job. I was going to school and Dinah and Justin were off shift that day. But I remember I had to receive a whole truckload of those glass jars because at that time we got smart. We're like, oh, let's not buy from Bed Bath & Beyond. Let's go direct. We didn't understand what we're getting ourselves into. We were also trying to save money and we just declined any type of inside delivery. But what that actually meant is that me as an individual worker or any workers you have at your company are responsible for offloading that whole load. And so I remember in high heels having to take off 200 glass jars from a truck off and into our garage. Oh my and gosh. he you know, was working for the union. He didn't get paid for inside delivery. So he, he literally just stood there as I moved each of these jars myself. And I remember I called Dinah and Justin and I said, did I, did I, I get myself into moving jars all day? And is this going to be my life and our lives moving forward? And it was actually that experience where I was in tears. I had cuts and scrapes all over me from all the cardboard boxes that I realized that we had to grow beyond the, t- the day-to-day tasks, understand how to build kind of this more business uh, strategy to kind of build the growth here, to take us beyond what we were doing. Oh, um, wow. That's an amazing insight. Yeah, and that was very early on. And we had many instances like yeah. that. Um too many to count, but all all good over a glass of wine. <laughs> We're like, remember that time I carried 200 bottles? I mean, is, is that perhaps a good attitude to take? I mean, you know, okay, of course you cry. Of course you're like, what are we doing? This is it. I'm not doing this ever again. But once you get through that, you said, you know, you realised, okay, we can't keep growing if we're going to be lugging jars around. So we need to change that way that we do things. Have you found now moving forward whenever something goes wrong, once you get through it, that actually it was something that shone a light on what needed to be fixed? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big learner, as I said. So I'm all about the term failing forward. And so going through that experience makes you stronger, but also gives you more ammo for understanding how to do it better next time. I think there's a phrase, now that I know better, I do better. I forgot who wrote it. Maybe Maya Angelou, now that I think about it. Oh, that sounds familiar. But we had that on our vision board, me and Dinah did, up um, in our old office. And it's really poignant because we were constantly learning on the job all day every day and we always had to take those learnings and push it forward I love that and not beat yourself up for not knowing like making a mistake because you didn't know better because now you do know better and now you know better you do better exactly I love that so you vision board do you still vision board 
I haven't in a long time, but it's funny that you say that. I actually just put time on my calendar so that I could vision board uh, for my next uh, stage and chapter of life personally. So I haven't done this in maybe since 2015. Yeah. I think I'm quite due for one. Now that you're where you're at and everything's successful and you say you're going to vision board for the next chapter of your life. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going to be on your future vision board. But that idea of, I don't know, transitioning a dream, or once you've achieved a lot of a dream that you were chasing, and then realizing that you've still got to think of the next twenty years. No, you're totally right because there's the personal aspect on who I want to be, who I want to evolve into, actually to be better for health aid. So it's not about different. It's more about how do I elevate myself so that I am better faster, stronger for the team and what health aid needs of me in the next two to three years. And that, so it's not about different, it's more about evolving so that I'm personally aware around where I want to focus my energy to be the best for health aid. Right. And on a personal level, I think it's about you know, understanding where am I at? How am I evolving? I've always been one to not rest on my laurels. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it's more about I want to elevate and level up myself, both personally and professionally. And it's more about how I do that and the vision I see for myself. And now that you know better, how will you do better with your next round of future planning? One thing is not beating myself up so much for the what if. I think that's a lot of what I did in my 20s. But now it's about what I want and really curating and creating that rather than the what if and thinking about that. Oh, that's a little more empowering, isn't it? To think of creating and curating as opposed to like anticipating the what if. Yeah, which is exactly. So much more out of control. 100%. That's amazing. And do you feel like a bit of a global role model? You just, you were in Singapore earlier this year in February and you said that you were surprised that there weren't that many Asian business women and entrepreneurs and a lot of the business women and entrepreneurs came from America. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think in Asian culture, it's not necessarily, and my mom's a great example as to how she was trying to guide me, that it's not necessarily bred within your culture to, to go against the grain in that way. And it is a little surprising to see the lack of representation of Asian female entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs at that. And I'm really excited to help you know, stand with those that are and, you know, make us stronger together. But it was great to be in Singapore alongside some great uh, female entrepreneurs really making their own way in fashion and design. And I'm excited for the next step for Health Aid to not just be a U.S. brand, but really a global leader in Better For You Beverage. And if this is the first step in that, I'm excited for what's to come. Wow, that is really exciting. Gosh, it would be so cool to see where you are in the next 20 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Worldwide domination. <laughs> yes, dominate. And as a woman, I mean, it's pretty cool to be able to be more aware of women on a global level because I think we don't realise, like, we're very lucky in America. There's a lot of opportunities, even though there are also, you know, there has been limits hopefully moving forward less and less limits and particularly for minorities. But then to take that even 
further into the world where there is a lot more discrimination for women and and what do you think you've learned growing up as an Asian American woman? I said an amazing, amazing. <laughs> I, I may steal that. I'm an amazing, amazing, amazing. As an Asian woman, like now, is it something you can take out to the world and help women who might be in where the culture is treating them more as a minority? Like, what do you think is the most important message? I think the important message is you could do it. And I, I think there's a lot of doubt that creeps in, whether it be bred within the culture, bred within kind of the surroundings or the kind of nurturing of that kind of environment or that individual. But however we can build and instill confidence in these women who are, you know, across the world have their own little micro startups, whether it be a small village where they have a micro loan to create their own, you know, brand of coin purses that they're selling and helps you know, sustain their family or to large scale corporations. It's just instilling and reinforcing the idea of you can do it because it, it is very easy, I think, to think about the doubt piece that I do think women take on more than men. For some reason, I think there's this imposter syndrome that creeps in and it's just important to help turn that voice off a little bit. And how do you turn that voice off for you? Man, therapy? No. <laughs> I, I think it does take a little bit of work around understanding what are the triggers when you know you're feeling you know, physically that voice kind of coming a little bit louder. Mm-hmm. I think second, it's kind of knowing and being really present in your gut. And that's taken a lot of work, whether it be breath work. I've, I've started that and really journaling to get my feelings out rather than bottling them up. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another thing I've been doing is, you know, coach, um, an executive coach had for a number of years. And that has really been a sounding board for me to, to say, am I crazy here? Um, or, you know, am I right on, or I've been thinking about this and, so it is a little bit of therapy, life coach, and work coach all rolled into one. Oh, I love that so much because I really I don't think that we can do it all alone. We can't. We need we need support, whether it's our colleagues or. But then further, the deeper you get, the more you do need your therapist and your breath work. Actually, I haven't tried breath work, but I definitely journal, and I have. I actually have a, well, I guess, yeah, it would be like a, well, not an executive coach, but that, what do we call these people? Like life coaches. I call her my energy healer because I actually get Reiki once a week. Oh, cool. But I feel that that really helps me with being aware of the voice because that's it. When the fear rises, knowing that, okay, I've been triggered and that's a fear that's coming from a space of fear. And so I can just acknowledge it and thank it for wanting to take care of me and but then push through and continue on instead of being crippled by it. Right. Mm. Actually, one piece of advice to kind of overcome that fear and that inside voice my breathwork coach gave me is when you wake up in the morning, whatever it is, whatever your pose is, strike a power pose. So it's you know, your significant other might be sleeping, so you're in front of a mirror by yourself. It's a power pose, and that's individual to you, whatever makes you feel strong and powerful. And it kind of just sets the tone for the day. And so I've been doing that recently, and I can say that 
I do have a little bit more swag in my day. Yeah. Just even internally, I feel that. Oh my gosh, I love it. And it's just a power pose that you can create for yourself. Exactly. That's it. All right. We can all go work on our power poses. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> thank a pose. you. Strike a pose. <laughs> Vanessa, do. Thank you so, so much. I'm going to put up all the links at beautifulhollywood.com for all the details on health aid and you and wherever we can find you on social media for our inspiration. It was such an <laughs> honor and a pleasure to be with you, Melanie. And um, this beautiful Hollywood podcast is going to be great and love what you're doing. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thanks Thank for you. Me. Beautiful. Bye. Bye.